become a nightmare Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must eat America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long We need leaders who lead us Not stick us and bleed us Then ransom our future and our children's That's wrong They'll try to silence our voices They'll pretend to be patriots Fighting for fairness for all But they're not even fit to hold office What they believe doesn't fit With freedom at all We must take America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long We need leaders who The Public Broadcasting Network here on the 7th day of January in the year of 2024. And welcome to our roundtable, known better as the Rebels and Rabble Rousers. And what else is that, Stephen, we call ourselves? Troublemakers? Uh, what else? Re- renegades. Renegades, too. We yes, all renegades right. here, each and every one. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but you're also thought criminals, too, by just being associated with me. Yeah, well, we, we're aware of that, and we are taking the appropriate medication for that. And um, just uh, (laughs) there's no cure, Mike. Some things you can't unsee. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's not going to help. Even even if we get vaccinated, it won't help. Is that what you're telling me, Stephen? If we get even if we get vaccinated, it's not going to help. No, that's not that never helped me. In fact, I honestly can say it hurt me back when (laughs) H1N1 psyop was going on. I was one of those fools that 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 uh well that bought it yeah well guys before we jump into and introduce our wonderful panel here tonight i would like to uh first of all ask all of you to please uh let's donate to rbn let's get this thing going i i've done my part i've we've got a uh uh, saint andrew's cross quilt out there that's going to go to uh, one of the people who is drawn for that at the end of the month, and we've got books from John Stantmiller. And, folks, uh, I'm going to tell you this as we're moving forward, it's getting more and more critical that we maintain our avenues of 
communication because those are going to go away rather quickly at some point in time. So let's uh, make sure that uh, we keep the good old Republic Broadcasting Network. Go to republicbroadcastingnetwork.org, hit that donate button, and let's get some assistance in here for the fine work that's being done by RBN. And let me start off by, well, let's uh, go to the guy who's farthest away. How about that uh, fella out there in uh, California? And uh, even though he's out there, we still speak to him from time to time. And that would be none other than the Scorpion himself. And he's also an RBN host. So, uh, Dave, how are you doing, buddy? I'm here in California, land of fruits and nuts. But I'm, I'm doing okay and uh, looking forward to our talk tonight. I'm, it's, I'm honored to be on with all you guys. This is great. I thought California was the land of uh, fruits and uh, was the, no, you said fruits and nuts or nuts and That's fruits. That's right. The land of fruits and nuts. Okay. I thought it was the land where the nuts hang from trees and the people walk. No, the people hang from trees and the nuts walk the street. Which one is it? That's both, actually. It depends on what okay. part of the state you're in. <laughs> okay, buddy. All right. Well, then let's jump to our, uh, the, the, the esteemed men, uh, member of our panel, and that would be none other than the uh, retired airline pilot himself, uh, the first man to pilot a commercial aircraft into New York City after 9-11. And, uh, of course, we're not going to tell anybody that because that is a secret he keeps deep inside his repository. So uh, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk with the old man. D.W., how you doing, buddy? Well, I I need to keep that buried in my suppository. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm grounded. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, the uh, yeah the California. I was just thinking about that. You were talking to Hair Scorpio there, and I was going, "Isn't that where they uh, they laugh at the politicians and take the uh, comedian serious? Isn't that isn't that California?" Anyway, uh, yeah. I'm politicians are comedians. <laughs> that's 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 what Will Rogers was trying to get across there, everybody. It's a century it's ago. A century ago, yes. Yeah, so I'm uh I got my turban all spooled up and ready for takeoff, guys. Glad to be here. Glad to have you with us, buddy. And then we go to another esteemed host. Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, man who does just a great work in what he's been uh, bringing to RBN for some period of time, and that would be none other than Richard Carey. Richard, how are you, sir? Hello, Mike. I'm, I'm doing good tonight, and yeah, thanks for having me back, sir. Well, always glad to have you, Richard. We always uh, value your input, and we're uh, uh, I know you're out there uh, like uh, so many other Americans trying to make a living. And so but uh, we appreciate your insight from time to time as you're available to provide it, sir. So then moving on and certainly, well, he could be last, but he's certainly not least, at least according to Wendy. And uh, he put a picture on uh, Facebook of uh, Wendy and the dog. And I thought it was the plot against Stephen, and I needed to warn him about that. So, uh, Stephen, how you doing, buddy? 
I'm good, good. Yeah, and so the dog and Lindy are great. Yeah, Jesse's he's getting so big. I'm gonna build a rickshaw for him, or maybe I could figure some way to hook him to a plow. I was thinking too. <laughs> he was just a puppy a year ago. It's awesome. Thanks well, for having me, Mike. Why I'm don't glad you uh, here with all of hey, go ahead. Why don't go you ahead. figure out a way to hook him up to something, and you guys could do DoorDash together? Well, there you go. I don't know. <laughs> Jesse might scare him, but Jesse's a scaredy cat. That's the funny thing. He looks like this big, he's really big, strong dog, but he, he's terrified of all different things like the squash and the ball and the car. It's just, he's a riot. <laughs> I'm glad we got him. Oh, well. Well, guys, I'm, I'm going to ask each one of you a question now. And uh, this is, yes, every question I have leads to something else. And I, I'm fully admitting that. But I have become aware of something in the past couple of days. Now, I talked briefly about it with uh, Stephen Douglas Whitener uh, a little earlier today. I haven't talked with Scorpio or DW about it. But it's something that I think is very compelling. And I think people ought to pay attention to this as we watch this country slowly disintegrate. And it's sometimes not so quite so slowly. But... Uh, as we're looking at it and thinking about these things, gentlemen, how many of you were aware? Well, let me ask you this question first, and I'm going to start with Scorpio out there in California. Scorpio, do you have a nice pickup truck? Uh, no, I don't. I wish I did. Do you have a nice car? Not anymore. I have in the past, but I don't at the present time. Okay. Well, what if you just bought yourself? I'm going to throw a little more hypothetical here at you, but what if you just... Uh, uh, had a, uh, let's say, a really nice pickup truck that had been given to you by a member of your family. And you had this pickup truck, and suddenly I came to California and I stole your pickup truck, and I used your pickup for 25, 30, 40 years doing whatever I wanted to, and then I came back to you and said, you know, Scorp, I'm sorry I stole your pickup truck. Here, I'm going to let you have what's left of it. It's just a box of parts, but I'm going to have, let you have what's left of it, and I'm going to give you 100 bucks. Would you be okay with that? Well, I can't say that I would, Mike. Uh, obviously not. Um, sounds like a raw deal. I, I, I can think of uh, several political situations uh, that that's analogous to <clears throat> Israel, for one. But <clears throat> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, you're about to hear another one. <laughs> So, uh, all right, uh, DW, uh, what what about that? What if I came out there and took your uh, Dodge pickup truck and kept it for 30, 40 years and then said, okay, you can have it back, and I'm sorry I took it. Uh, here's 100 bucks. You be okay with that? Well, that would be like getting Social Security, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, uh <laughs> I'm, now, this I'm one's gonna, different. I'm this one's different. No. I'm this gonna, one's different. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I wouldn't be okay. I'd be, my feelings would be hurt and, and I'd be, no, I got a question. Did I get insurance when you stole it? Uh, yeah. That's up to you. I'm know. not in charge of yeah. your insurance. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's all. That's uh, well, entirely <laughs> up to you. Yeah. Well, if I, if I had to manage my risk properly and had insurance, I'd probably, if you brought it back to me in 30 or 40 years, I'd probably tell you to keep it. And, uh, you know, and so it, uh, I don't know where you're going with this. 
<laughs> ah, good. That makes it even more fun. How about you, Richard Carey? Have you figured out where I'm going with this yet? I suspect it may have something to do with our our financial system and our legal system, but I certainly would be upset if someone did that to me. Like, And you would have every right to be upset. I don't see how anyone can say that that in any way, shape, form, or fashion would be being fair to the other individual, the wronged individual. And isn't the entire scope of the judicial system there to make things right, to bring things back to how they were? Is that not what it is, Richard? That's what we're told, at least, sir, that that's what it's been put in place for. Oh, yes. (laughs) Thank you for that stipulation. It's what we've been told. Now, uh, Stephen, uh, your thoughts, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, so don't give away the, the secret yet, but uh, what would be your thoughts on that? If uh, You mean if you had stolen my truck and brought the box of parts back and offered me 100 bucks to make it square? Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, I'd have to say name your second, sir. That's, <laughs> that's how I feel about that. That, uh-uh. that don't flush, no. It's this analogous to go ahead and, and and tell us if you're ready. If, if you're up, but yeah, that, I, I, it would not be okay with me. No, that's that's okay. Bad news. I got Raw you. Deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, so let's say if we take let's go back in our own history in this country to the year of let's say 1868. The Civil War is freshly over. Uh, The war against the South has abated, but those Union military forces, including those wonderful Buffalo soldiers, have all been sent west to, in essence, wipe out the American Indians in the west. And it hasn't worked, you know, even though Abraham Lincoln on the day after Christmas in 1862 had... 39 possibly innocent Native Americans, and they don't like that title, American Indians, had them uh, murdered, genocide, had them hanged. Their trials lasted less than 10 minutes each. And prior to getting there, uh, the good, uh, wonderful uh, Union General John Pope, who had just got his butt handed to him at Second Manassas, made the classic statement that he intended to bring justice to these renegade people of color. Imagine that. I thought we were fighting a war to free people of color, not to hang them without very much of a trial. But, gentlemen, how many of you were aware that in 1868, the United States government signed a treaty with several, especially the largest Uh, American Indian tribes in the country signed a treaty with them, giving them all of their land with those treaties. Now, I'm not sure how many people are aware of that, but that is, in fact, it's recorded. That is the treaty that was done, and they were uh, given uh, their land. Okay, this land is yours. This land belongs to you, and in the case of the... uh, Lakota Sioux, 
the treaty said, as long as the wind shall blow and as long as the grass shall grow. That land would belong to them. Well, wouldn't you know it, darn the luck, somebody found gold in the Black Hills of South Dakota after that. And the United States government, seeing all of these people moving into that land that didn't belong to them, suddenly, you know, the government goes, oh, well, we've got an issue here. We've got all this going on. And, you know, we can't tell the people they can't go on to that land. So we're just going to write a law and say that that land is ours now. Well, that case ends up going well into time, gentlemen. And not too long ago, I think the last time the Supreme Court messed with this was probably in the 80s. But the Lakota tribe, the Sioux tribe, had sued the United States government. And they wanted their land back from that original treaty. And so this goes all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court then says, okay, yes, you are correct. There is no way this land could have been taken away from you by a law. Think about this, folks, when you go to obey the law. They were told, yes, this property was in effect yours, but guess what? We're just going to compensate you for taking it. And we're going to give you a couple of million bucks. So here's your truck back. Sorry we used it for all these years. And here we're going to give you this little pittance of money. But guess what? (laughs) The Lakota people said, "Uh uh-uh. We don't want your money. We want our land. And folks, that one has been going on in the courts of this country for 70 plus years years and is still going on and i think the thing that we have to ask ourselves here and here was the question that i thought of when i watched a documentary on this was the simple fact is when someone came in after the supreme court decision and they said okay well the uh federal government or the supreme court says this land is actually ours And this one Lakota Sioux looks at the gentleman and says, all of it. Which gives us really something to think about, gentlemen. And I mentioned it to Stephen Douglas Whitener today, and we mentioned especially the Cherokees. But what if all of the major Indian tribes of this country said tomorrow, we're going to join with the Lakota tribe, and we want our land back? What is the position legally? Let's start with you, Scorp. What are your thoughts? Well, I, you know, uh, in a situation like this, really all that matters is who has the most guns, who has the most firepower. What's written on a piece of paper doesn't mean anything. And that's what the Indians found out precisely. And uh, this has happened multiple times. You could go through a whole bunch of different treaties that were broken by the by the federal government with the Indians. They didn't keep their word really on much of anything. And it's, <clears throat> it is a tragedy uh, that, that's happened. And again, it all comes down to uh, uh, power comes from the uh, end of a, a gun. And um, so do Mao the uh, agreements. 
Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Dave. I'm sorry. No, and so do the veracity or the value of an agreement. If uh, you have the ability to force your the other side to live up to their agreement, then uh, the agreement might be worth something. But they were in a situation where they didn't have that. Uh, I mean, they could they tr- they try to fight back, but uh, when you're dealing with people that have superior firepower and they know it, it it's a very difficult situation, and uh, it's it's very sad tale all around. Well, very much so. And, you know, when we look at that, and uh, one of the things that I am uh, hoping to do for next week, I'm not sure I'll get it done, but I'm going to try to get in touch with some of these people. I'm going to use some Navajo connections that I have and try to get in touch with these people who are Lakota Sioux. And especially since one of my best friends from the Vietnam era was one Oglala Sioux by the name of Tommy Rubidoux. And Tommy was the most decorated American soldier of American Indian descent in the history of this country. So uh, that means a lot to me. So I'm going to try to get in touch with the Lakota and try to see if I can have one of their tribe or one of the people leading this fight against the U.S. government to be on a program uh, at their convenience, of course. And Stephen Douglas Whitener and I talked about it earlier today. And if that uh, period of time, uh, you know, uh, means that we would need more than just two hours to do it, Stephen and I will split the program up or we might even carry some of it over to uh, Richard or to David, depending on the time that they would be available should those two gentlemen be willing to share some time with us. But anyway, we haven't gotten DW's thoughts on uh, what was done to the Lakota Sioux. So what, uh, looking at it from a legal standpoint today, uh, DW, what do you think? Well, uh, that, that treaty, the first thing that came to mind when I heard about that treaty, the original treaty, was that treaty was probably titled uh, the Treaty of White Man Speak with Fork Tongue Treaty. <laughs> and, and and then the law they passed was the uh, public public law uh, uh, statute Indian givers. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's a reason why this this uh, these terms are in the vernacular uh, associated with uh, how the American Indian has been dispensed with. Uh, for well, time out of mind. <laughs> you know, this is there's nothing new here. You know, talk about patterns. Uh, do they the their legal disposition now? Well, uh, what was it uh, two years ago? A uh, a ruling came down for Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma lost uh, the state of Oklahoma lost jurisdiction on. Tens of thousands of square miles of Oklahoma. Mike, you're aware of that, aren't you? Oh, yes. And that's what happens Uh, when you give the uh, uh, federal government and and let them become the final arbiter of their own rulings. That is a recipe for disaster, and I can't see why people can't see that today. Sorry for uh, elongating the answer there, D.W. Go ahead, sir. Well, I... I'm just going to say the 
the uh, the Oklahoma tribes have taken back over, re- remanded uh, uh, custody of, uh, so to speak, of uh, a large, fairly large portion of uh, Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, that made the news for a little while, but uh, I haven't heard much out of it uh, in the last year or so. So, you know, there might be some precedents, uh, but... <clears throat> to, to sum up my answer here, I would say that Lakota and the other tribes have about as much luck uh, getting the federal government and the states and the people that are on that, uh, presuming the ownership of that land now, they have about as much uh, much luck getting that back as the Palestinians do uh, strike in a square deal with the Israelis. So... Uh, <laughs> you know, that's well, you know, guys, here's one analogy. of the things. Yeah. If I may, here's one of the things before I get to Richard on this um, was uh, the simple fact of as we look at this and we look at what has happened. The thing that troubled me as I was watching a documentary that the Sioux Nation, the Lakota themselves have you know, they got money from somebody because I promise you they don't have that much money. Uh, they were given money from somewhere to produce this documentary. Thank goodness they didn't take it to we to who we know we know who. Uh, but anyway, uh, the uh, treaty that was signed back then, you know, again, folks, says that this this property is the Indians. And it's got all of the, the treaties are there. The uh, 1868 treaty, treaties have got all of their X's on them because, you know, most of them couldn't speak English. And that becomes a question that I think the government might use at some time. But the thing that was troubling me about this documentary was the fact that they've fallen into that trap. And several times during the documentary, they mentioned white supremacy was the cause of all of this. I've got to contact these people. I've got to talk to them. They cannot allow this issue to be turned into a racial football for the government that that we all oppose. And so that was my point. But, uh, Richard, your thoughts on uh, what we've discussed so far, sir, if you're available? Yes. Well, I mean, I've heard a lot of arguments on both sides regarding what was the um, well appropriate uh, stance back then with regard to a territory and just civilization. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I it, from what I've heard in some accounts, though. I mean, the Native American peoples of the time didn't really uh, have the concept of, of land ownership. And I, I don't know, I, I've, I've heard many argue that the white colonists, I mean, they created a, a civilization, um, more of a, uh, a, a structured community, and that there was a lot of savagery, uh, even among the, uh, the different uh, Native American tribes uh, among each other, 
that I mean, what they had in the past was not necessarily all that all that civil. Um, and, and again, they did not really think of the uh, idea of land ownership then. So I mean, once things are developed by us over a long period of time, then it's convenient, you know, I mean, to want a, a portion of of land. So I mean, that's the argument I've heard, you know, of, of on the other side. Uh, basically, and so I mean, I don't know. You know, there there are a lot of sides to this as far as land ownership, as far as you know who was there first, and and for that matter, I've heard Viking Aryans were in the the North Americas uh, along in the past. So I don't know. I mean, you know, there's there are a lot of factors uh, to the issue, certainly. Oh, for sure. And thank thank you, Richard. Uh, we're coming up on the break time here, folks. Thank you for tuning in to RBN. Make sure you go to RBN and support the efforts that are being made for free speech and freedom in this country. Thank you. Here we are again, too far gone to gain control. And we can't find a way to kill the flame. We get lost in our love, don't know which way to turn. So we'll just build a fire and let it burn. Cheating fire, it's gonna burn higher Still we lay here in the ashes, unconcerned Every night's the same old thing We just pour fuel on the flame Before this cheating fire goes out, someone will get burned You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. 
That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Broadcasting Network here on the seventh day of January in the year of 2024. And I'm the Rebel Madman. And with me tonight, I have a set of renegades. And I do believe that uh, one of my renegades by the name of Scorpion Dave has a comment that he would like to make on what Richard said. So uh, go ahead, Dave. Let's hear it. Well, um, you know, the idea that the Indians didn't have the concept of land ownership, and that's true, but they did have the concept of, of we live here, we fish here, we hunt here, this is where we raise our children. So they may not have had the, the same concept of ownership that our society does, which is, okay, I own, you know, 350 square feet by 800 square feet, you know, um, but they definitely have the concept of we live here. And so I think that's pretty universal. And the other uh, thing I would say is that, yes, they were uh, savage to some degree. They lived a, a very different moral code than modern humans do or modern man, white man. But uh, there was, they also had their own uh, morality as well. They did. They had their own code of honor that they live by. That was just a different set of values. And you could, you could cherry pick and say, well, that we're savage, you know, we're dropping bombs. We've had wars that have destroyed millions of people's lives. And, and, um, so I think you could cherry pick information and make every society look really bad. I'm not defending the Indians. It's just, they lived a very different way. And it's, um, doesn't mean that you can just take all their stuff and well, therefore it's okay because they were savages. I just, to me, that that isn't good logic, and it's it's sort of trying to justify what 
you know, the, the, the bad things that white people did in that situation. And that, but more importantly, this is really a reflection of the federal government and how well, yeah. it is. And that's, that was my, always, and that, that was this, my point, but I, I did preface it with like, that's the, what I've heard from the other side of the argument, uh, Dave, like places like, well, since the word renegades in this title, places like renegade broadcasting, for example, you know, I've heard that argument, like the things I've pointed out there um, stressed a lot. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm just, suggesting that you know yeah that to say that they were all savages or something and and vicious to each other's tribes and this and that and no moral code is not fair but to say that look what we did what you just mentioned with all these wars and that but i mean what our federal government does is separate from what we do so there's the well, best exactly of our and i was just going to say that the, if this is really a reflection people. on yeah. how this federal government has been um very untrustworthy uh arbiter of everything and they were untrustworthy in every way just like they are towards us now so right, it's, but, um, right, nothing, but, as I mean, they say the song remains the same but in, in all fairness we're, we learn more and more europe and america uh, throughout many hundreds of years now have been controlled by uh, jewish elites quite frankly Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and yes and i mean everything has been orchestrated against uh, the white man not in the white man's interest and in the you know the you know the um Joe Everyman out there on the plains or, or whatever, you know, for the uh, the greater good, so to speak. So, I mean, if you were to think the, the, the best of our people, we've never even had that represented in this country, had a chance to yet. So, I mean, you know, we, we can't when people point out the things done to the Native Americans, you can't turn this into a white man bad you know, well, I'm not. It's not my thing. attention at all. No, right. I, I agree. And that, with that, that was absolutely. really my intention is just to yeah. bring that to the floor, Dave. Yeah, yeah well, I agree. With thanks, that. thanks, gentlemen, and I agree with both of you. And I uh, have a little bit of insight here. I've actually lived on an Indian reservation, and I can tell you that I had uh, Cherokee friends in my youth. Uh, one of the uh, men who became the president of the Cherokee Indian Reservation was a friend of mine in my youth. His name was Walter Rattler, and. I got to know Walter real well, and then my wife was a teacher and a uh, also a principal on Indian reservations. And so during the years, we many of our friends that we look at today are what we would call Native Americans. And for that reason, yes, I have listened to them talk about their culture. And no, they don't think anyone can own the land. I think that's something that we I probably should have prefaced this discussion with. They do not believe for a minute that anyone can own the land. Oh, and Mike, we need researchers like yourself, I was going to add, because it's hard to even know what happened, what took place in all these different battles uh, between Native Americans and settlers in different parts of the country. I just know some were pretty savage uh, to the uh, to the white people like Custard's Last Stand. But, um, you know, by and large, yeah, we, do we really know any of these accounts um, being accurate but, yes uh, they, they are all in the national archives richard i have looked at these many times over and i remember the talk about the several of these battles how and i mean stop and think about this yes they're, they're savage and they're savage they're scalping that's savage but that was not traditional native american or american indian it was not. That came from another culture, and they were paid for scalps. So, yes, they became scalpers. But the thing I think we have to think so many times about this, folks, is that 
when we arrived as a culture into this country, there was already somebody here. Well, Mike, but I've heard I've heard that uh, Vikings, uh, Aryan Vikings, had been here prior to that. You yes, know, they I, had, but had they had they established settlements, Richard? Well, it doesn't seem like there were the same type of settlements either with the Native Americans to what we had uh, established uh, later. I mean, it. it uh, well, Richard, uh, if I so, may, I'll relate a story to you from my buddy. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, about the Oglala Sioux. About well, Mike, uh, I, I, I just wanted to also add that I mean, our leaders and the Native Americans' leaders, I mean, weren't always reflective of the people's best amongst us. You know, you mentioned that the hired scalpers. So, I mean, there, there was good and bad on both sides, the leadership, certainly. Uh, I, I mean, so so they aren't uh, glowing and we're not uh, all evil or glowing, but I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, that, no, no, I no, no, there, there, no side, no, not one side in any issue has a collar around virtue. We know that. And that's one of the things I've talked about for years. And I know what I caught I caught literal email hail for writing an article in 2005 that said that the Confederacy was not a good government. And it wasn't. All government is evil. It doesn't make any difference who it, who it comes by. But if you pointed it out that a Republican, that a Republican, yes, Republican, but also a, uh, a government was crooked. You know, look, oh, gosh, who says that? Who says that about our government? We're the, we're, we were the Confederates. We were right about everything. No, you weren't. You had a government just like the Yankees did, and both governments were corrupt and obscene. And that is my point. And, that, and uh, thank you, Richard. Thank you for your clarification. I appreciate that. But one of the things I can tell you many times over, having actually talked with these people, done cattle drives with them over many hundreds of miles, in the mountains of New Mexico and uh, Arizona and uh, down into the plains and having long, long conversations with these people about their own history and their own heritage. And that is one of the things I know is that they actually, you know, and one of the jokes, one of the big jokes that was there was that when they were actually testing for the moon landing on the Navajo Indian Reservation, they actually went to a chief of the Navajo Indian Reservation and asked him to write a letter in his native tongue that would be left on the moon when they went to the moon. And so he did so. Well, after the moon landing, someone went to him and asked him, said, well, what did you put in your letter in the Navajo language on the moon. And he said, well, it was very simple. I just really put in there that be careful. These white people will steal your land. So, you know, was he right or was he wrong? But they do not claim that that land belongs to them. They, they claim that that land belongs to the people who are living on it at the time, as uh, David so very well stated. And Stephen, we haven't heard from you a while. Don't don't fall asleep there, buddy. What do you got? Oh, that made me laugh right there. I'm sorry. I was I hope I didn't wake Wendy up laughing about that, about the, the moon. <laughs> yeah, oh, boost up a little bit, boys. Let me see if this will help. Is it is is there you go. Is that better? A little better. Yeah. I sound better now. Yes, sir. 
Maybe I went the wrong way. How's that? Is that better? <laughs> well, there we go. There okay, you go. Cool. Okay. There we go. Thanks. I was thinking there was a great variety of different societies here, depending on the time frame you're looking at. And also, as far as the Americas goes, I believe there's a lot of suppressed history here that, that we don't know about. You know, like, I don't know I, no evidence the Vikings, I guess, built uh, any cities or, or you know, settlements but uh, the templars supposedly landed too and um there was this uh i i, I was something interesting about a race of uh big people giants that lived uh, on this land beforehand supposedly in the smithsonian big mound builders that had uh, what you could call a civilization up around in ohio before uh some Columbus and all yeah some attribute that to the nephilim uh, Stephen. but go on yeah yes yeah that Jekyll Island was one place where that that's supposed to have been one, uh, a place where those people, red-haired uh, giants, lived. And, and then there's these pyramids that are similar in ancient history, suppressed. But then you go down to the Aztecs, and I mean, there you go. That's the cute. I mean, any government is bad. They might have had a ball game down there, but it was pretty savage. You know, it was the government was collecting some pretty savage taxes down there with the Aztecs. Okay, that that just that I was thinking of that. Too, they had a very depending on the climate, different civilizations and and tribes, different nations. What we would call, think of as nations, and, and I think they're very wise to think of the land as owning them instead of the other way around. Honestly, I have to say that's a that's a point of view that I've tried to think of in a lot of ways as far as things go. The only thing you really own in this life is your word and your honor. It seems to me is 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 the truth, but you know that's just my naive opinion. Well, you mentioned Aztec, and that, that's always fascinated me. I mean, to ha- have built such structures, but uh, to be seemingly so uh, built around uh, a society of human sacrifice, it just yeah. seems so heartless and pointless. I mean, I don't know. You look at the, well, I, I, I haven't researched many other ancient civilizations. Uh, many of them uh, have similar uh, savage ways in their uh Rituals and beliefs, I'm sure. Well, Stephen, may I? I mean, Richard, may I ask a question? Of were course. any were any of those savage uh, acts by the alleged American Indians were any more a uh, more savage than ripping a fetus from a womb and destroying it? Well, uh, you know that that's that's the whole uh, abortion debate. I mean, do you do you think it from the female's point of view or the, or the uh, fetus's point of view? Uh, I mean, yeah, you know that some bring spirituality into that debate as well. I I'm not sure that those. It seems uh, some consider that to be apples and oranges, quite frankly, and others think it's a, a fair comparison. So. I don't know if well, uh, I've, I've I don't know if we need, I, I apologize for the amount of tangents I already brought to the. I guess I'm a renegade no, even about renegades. No, no, you're good, <laughs> Richard. You're good. That's that's not a problem here. But what we're doing is we're trying to intelligently discuss these situations, which isn't done in the American Forum. That's one of the things I want to happen on these programs is an intelligent discussion of controversial issues. And that is where intelligence comes in, to where people can discuss and think, discuss things intelligently without becoming upset with each other. Yeah, and, and Mike, uh, if I could add one thing, Richard brought up an interesting point, too, about the Vikings coming to America. There's substantial evidence that the Vikings did come to America. You know, the copper mining that was done around the Great Lakes of uh, 
uh, Michigan, uh, is uh, there's a lot of evidence there uh, that the Vikings actually uh, came there and did mining. There's even monuments that the uh, Vikings built, and there's even evidence that the ancient Chinese sailed to America uh, in ancient times as well. So the, there, there's a lot of unexplained uh, questions. And the mound builders and the giants, the Indians had numerous legends about races of giants and there's even evidence supposedly that's been closeted away by the Smithsonian Institute that uh, giants were indeed here as well. Hmm. Yeah, and that is all true. I've seen that in the National Archives as well. I've seen all of those. Uh, there, there's quite a few studies, uh, but one of the things that always troubled me, even going into the Smithsonian, was when that I could walk into the Smithsonian Institute and see a full set of bones from someone of a tribe of Native Americans. And I always wondered, why was it okay for us to go dig up their bones and bring them and put them on display, but it would have been a crime if they did that to us? But that's a different issue, and I don't want to really get into that to any significant level, but... Uh, David, uh, just to throw at you here, Scorp, a uh, thought. If you were <clears throat> with the government, how do you handle this case with the Lakota Sioux? They want their land back. You've offered them uh, a lot of money. Uh, you know, uh, right now it looks like almost a billion dollars that you've offered them for all of these hundreds of thousands of acres in at least five different states in the in the uh, American Northwest. So how would you, if you were running the government, David, just hypothetically, how would you handle this situation? Well, I would have honored the contract that was signed, because like it or not, if you make a contract, you're supposed to live up to it. That's one of the basic tenets of any kind of uh, civilization. You honor agreements that you make. Uh, so that's, that would have been my short answer, but... Um, uh, they, you know, the, unfortunately, like I said, the government knew that the Indians really didn't have the firepower to do much about it, so they proceeded to do whatever they wanted. Well, um, that is a valid point as well. But what you're saying there, David, is that the uh, Constitution and words written on paper mean absolutely nothing. It's what the people decide. Is that correct? Well, that's what George Bush said. It's just a piece of just a, just a gosh darn piece of paper. So <laughs> I think he's right about that. They've been using it as uh, toilet paper for a long time, and of course, all these legal documents. There's two uh, meanings. There's the hidden meaning and the meaning that they tell the public that it means. So the, the interpretation, the devil's in the details, as they say, Mike. Well, you know, we know that you know the good old. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Republicans, you know, uh, formed their own party, their Marxist party. But as we look back at this, and we think so many times with the American Indian, but Dave, here's my question. If you're sitting as the decider, you're the final guy that's going to make this decision. And you know that if you tell the Lakota that this property is now theirs, what are you going to tell to the millions of people that are living on that land and have bought homes on it? Yeah, right. It's it's um, well, you know, it's uh, that's a very complicated issue. But ownership is nine tenths of, of the law, isn't it? So, um, uh, but then 
might makes right, uh, unfortunately, in, in a savage uh, world. So, but Dave, Dave, just a minute. But doesn't the the uh, supremacy clause doesn't it state that the rulings of the federal government are supreme over all of the states? So if the federal government gave this and said, okay, that property is really yours, which they have said that property is really yours, what the government is saying now, we want to give you a pittance for it and shut the hell up, is what they're trying to tell the Lakota. Because the government knows full well that if they fold on this issue with the Lakotas, that's why it's so critical. If they fold on this one, they know that every other American Indian tribe in America is going to file a similar lawsuit and precedent has been set, which will mean that this entire country, except maybe for New England, belongs in the hands of the American Indian, the various tribes, and not the conquerors from England. Your thoughts, well, of course, that will never happen. We both know yeah. that. Uh, yeah, DW, so, your thoughts, yeah. buddy? Well, you <laughs> you guys have gone and done it now. You just opened up every can of worms that was available. <clears throat> so uh, there's there's 573 federally federally recognized Indian nations. <laughs> 573. There's over 400 years of treaties. Uh, that could be uh, used as uh, legal tools. Um, now, if I if I go back to my Oklahoma example, where the Indian nation uh, took over law jurisdiction of those lands and the people that had their homes there, they're all still living there just fine. That's right. There, no nobody got evicted. Uh, there, there weren't any settlers, Indian settlers that came in from the diaspora and and kicked the farmers out and you know uh, bulldozed down the suburbs. Okay, everybody's every you know the sun came up the next day and everybody carried on. Okay, but there was a different a different sheriff in town. Literally. Well, here's the thing, D.W., did those people, once that property was taken over in Oklahoma, did those people have to pay property tax? That's a good question, and I, I don't know enough about that to, to, to answer that question. It's a really good question. The, um, I want to address this, this broader issue that's ongoing amongst all the these you, you renegades here is uh, this history is that this is the age-old question of situational ethics, um, conditional principles, and contextual morals. And who, who possesses, who's the arbitrator of all those things at any one given time? And uh, <clears throat> I can't pass up a little history here. I want to inject the understanding and the, the truthful history of the barbarity, uh, almost beyond barbarity, of of the English and their treatment of the Irish <laughs> in 1580. 
1580. Now, this is this is before there's um, any settlements in the the New World. This is this is that little boat ride between England and Ireland. There's a guy by the name of Humphrey Gilbert. Of course, I know we all we all learned about him in, in school, right? Humphrey Gilbert. Well, he's the half brother of another cat named Sir Walter Raleigh. They're half brothers. Well, Humphrey Gilbert is commissioned by Queen Elizabeth I to go over there and put those Irish in, uh, in, in their place. And he slaughters tens of thousands of them himself personally, over, over a thousand of them himself personally, and makes a point of cutting off their heads and, and uh, taking scalps. He was Englishman Humphrey Gilbert, Sir Walter Raleigh's half-brother, commissioned by the Queen, is chopping heads off and taking scalps with Huguenots against the Irish. Who civilized her? Uh, it's, it's easy to throw rocks until you find out you live in a glass house. I, I, that, and, that's great information, DW. But I mean, w- our leaders don't represent us. And I, well, I'm Irish. My background, I'm part Irish and I'm not British. Well, certainly. Uh, uh, but I mean, uh, I don't know. We can't take the, the sins of all white people uh, either, of course. The sins of our fathers. And here comes the music. <laughs> we'll be back on the flip side, folks. Thank you. What the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is. Living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men know the rich men. Just miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street Ain't got nothing to heat And the whole beast Hello, hello, hello From beautiful Colorado My name is Samuel Jung Kay And I am currently the lead shilajee hunter And master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company In this video series I will be discussing what we believe Is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods And the single greatest natural healing remedy Gifted to us by Mother Earth I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilajee by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. 
Shiroji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shiroji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.